You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn All right. All right, we have a good one for you guys today. Thanks for jumping in to the podcast. Uh, hopefully everyone is doing well. Uh, you know, one of the things that I love about my job as a you know, technology evangelist, as someone that gets to get on stages uh, and have conversations around emerging technology, social media, digital, is I always like to say like my, my job ends up being to translate the geek speak and really break down um, you know, the different aspects of what's going on, uh, mainly because I, I love that side. I always like to caveat things that, you know, for me, for a long while, like, you know, for I would take a break from work and my my fun would be, you know, maybe jailbreaking my iPhone. Right. Like that would be something to me. That was something that I would enjoy. Or like my daughters like to say is that I, I stopped working at my desk just so that I can work on my phone. Uh, and on this episode, we're going to talk about something that I think is more confusing, more overwhelming, and more stressful uh, than any of the stuff that I talk about on stages. Uh, and so i uh, excited to kind of break down uh, a different side of this uh, NFT crypto web three space. But before we get in there, um, uh, you know, we do a weekly shout out here or weekly, a daily shout out here on the podcast of different projects um, that we, we mint ones that we are, uh, you know, a part of. And I have to say, you know, we're, we're buying an NFT uh, every single day for a year. And, you know, one of the things with that is a lot of it is, you know, we're, we're trying to predict, you know, the future because we are uh, holding um, the, you know, the different, you know, let's just face it, we're holding uh, these NFTs all the way until November 11th. So with that in mind, we have to think about the long term and, and we minted a project back on November 28th. And so this is, we're in middle of January. Uh, and we mentioned a project back on November 28th, and I was excited to mint it. I love the art. I love the founders. I love what it stands for. And interestingly enough, last night as I was going to bed, I noticed that the the project was trending on, on Twitter, and it actually minted out last night. And I, I like to say that, you know, it's a beautiful thing in this space when we see projects you know, kind of come to life. And, and many have heard, our, we interviewed the founder of X-Punks, which was a project that took about almost five months to mint out, but yet still, in my opinion, one of the best projects out there. And so our, our shout out today goes to Women Rise NFT. The Women Rise NFT is what is actually the number 17. So day 17 of this project, we actually minted them uh, on uh, you know November 28th. And uh, they got a really nice push last night and they minted out. And I, I just really excited to see so many uh, women NFTs getting lots of love and um, some momentum out there. So shout out to Women Rise uh, NFTs. Uh, and I'll, I'll include a link to uh, the one that we minted for our project, which is a really cool one. It has a, has a, like a Steelers logo or Steelers colored uh, like Air Force One shoe um, in the art, which I just think is uh, really uh, pretty cool. And it's actually the one that I'm wearing um, right now as my PFP um, on Twitter Spaces because we are recording uh, this episode here uh, live on Twitter Spaces because I have a special guest for you guys. And I always like to get, you know bring on guests mainly for you know multiple reasons, but one of them is 
I can almost guarantee you guys are probably getting a little bit sick of hearing me talk all day long, uh, every day. So, uh, we're excited. We have, uh, Patrick with us, Patrick, love for you to uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, you're a CPA or someone, you know, uh, that is specializing in this web three space, but, uh, give us a little bit about your, your background. And then I got some questions for you, of course, that, uh, I'm sure many of them that you get all the time, but, uh, Patrick, uh, welcome to the show and uh, what say you? Yeah. So I appreciate you having me on, um, a little background on myself. Um, my firm, Camusa CPA, has been working with cryptocurrency investors and businesses and, um, you know, more recently, NFT investors and businesses since about 2016. So, you know, when it comes to cryptocurrency taxes and accounting, I've sort of, um, you know, seen this space develop since the beginning. And from a tax and accounting perspective, have probably seen, you know, any fact pattern that anyone out here listening probably is dealing with um, when it comes to accounting for taxes. Um, before, you know, I started my firm, um, I worked basically since I was like 19 years old in tax and accounting, I interned and spent years working in one of the big four accounting firms in the financial services industry. And then basically from there went out and, um, branched out with Camuso CPA. Um, the way that I got Camuso CPA to start focusing on cryptocurrency was basically because I was personally investing in it myself um like as early as 2015 and um you know the reason that i started consulting through the cpa firm in the space is i personally started to have gains and have tax questions myself um you know a lot of a lot of my friends did that were also sort of into it and i realized early on that there is a lot of confusion and not a lot of guidance in this area and that's sort of what made me focus on it I love it. I love it. And I love that, you know, it, this is definitely, you know, that falls into the, you know, you know, I love when companies hire, you know, their biggest fans. I, I'm a big believer in, you know, those that are in the space kind of being able to kind of double down and own it. Um, I also, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, of disclosure. I worked in, you know, influencer uh, side of house a lot. And I know, you know, your the previous company that you worked for is also a previous client of mine uh, for many, many years. So I, I, there's some connection there. And uh-huh. I, I'm going to say, I'm a, you know, probably the most popular question that maybe you're probably asked, um, can we pay you an ETH? Is it, is it, um, you- yeah, actually, um, my firm was the first CPA firm in the world to accept cryptocurrency as a form of payment. Um, so we've been getting paid in cryptocurrency, including Ethereum, including Bitcoin and many of the other major cryptocurrencies um, since 2016. Wow. See how so I didn't know the answer to that. And I and I was saying it a little bit tongue in cheek in the sense of accepting. I love that that's that's a possibility. Um so for you know, for those that are listening, you know, I, I was joking a little bit, but I, I it's actually, you know, something for me, you know, accounting, um, you know, taxes is definitely something that I would say is definitely not my my specialty, but I am a big fan uh, of tracking of analytics of I mean I, I talk on the podcast a lot about you know the air table that that we update with um, all of our our different uh, NFTs that we're purchasing all of the different um, you know transactions. But I will say, like in this space, there's a lot going on, right? There's so many different ways or or, or areas that uh, people can think about everything from you know moving money from your bank to an exchange, an exchange to a wallet, you know, th- moving things between wallets, uh, taking things from a wallet back to an exchange, and and you know, part of this whole decentralized you know Web three world is this idea of you know transparency, but also at the same time, it does feel a little bit wild, wild west. So I would love to hear just like. What is your take on maybe the thing that surprises 
your your clients the most or maybe the thing that you when you kind of break it down it's just like the thing that we have to think about first and foremost when it comes uh to this space and and really how we can you know make sure we're we're covering all of our bases yeah so i think um you know there's obviously a lot of considerations and there's you know a lot of different things that you have to be thinking about depending on how you're trading what you're purchasing but i think for people that you know aren't that familiar with crypto and NFT taxes, the biggest thing to understand is that anytime that you trade one cryptocurrency for another cryptocurrency, anytime you trade cryptocurrency for fiat or for a stablecoin, and anytime that you trade any cryptocurrency for another NFT, that's going to be a taxable event. Um, I think that's you know the number one biggest thing. It seems like people are starting to gain an awareness around that over these last couple of years. Um, but that was like a much bigger controversy a few years ago. Um, the other big consideration, sort of building off of that point, would be a lot of times, um, you know, so, someone listening can sort of fall in, in, into into two categories. I think on an NFT podcast like this, they're either um, minting nfts and basically trading ethereum or other or other cryptocurrencies for an nft or um they're an artist that's selling nfts so for either of those two people um let's say you're in the first category where you're trading cryptocurrencies for nfts and then you're trading those nfts back into cryptocurrencies um a lot of times what i've seen is people will take their profits into ethereum or maybe take their profits into bitcoin and um the big thing that is sort of that I, I see most people overlook is considering taxes as they're taking those profits throughout the year. And the same can be said for someone that's, you know, selling their art and getting paid in Ethereum or in another cryptocurrency. Um, it's planning for your tax liabilities throughout the year, because the biggest thing that I try to have my clients avoid is a scenario where they're taking profits or they're getting paid income throughout a tax year, say like throughout the 2021 tax year, and then they keep all of those those profits in Ethereum, for instance, and then Ethereum loses 50% of its value. Um, what can happen in a scenario like that is you're taxed on the fair market value of the cryptocurrency at the time of transaction. So, you know, if you're banking profits in Ethereum when Ethereum's at 4K, and then, you know, we d- December ends, we go into January into a new year. And let's say Ethereum loses 50% of its value, that can put you in a position where once we calculate the taxes for you, you can owe your whole entire portfolio um, in taxes to the IRS. And it's not something that I've seen happen recently, but um, between like 2017 and 2018, um, during that last really big um, bear market, I saw a lot of people get burned that way. And a lot of people basically owe their whole entire portfolio in taxes. So I think just making sure that you're you're planning throughout the year in terms of your tax liabilities is extremely important. All right. I, I don't know about my you know, those that are listening, but I, I did you know for me I was a little bit like, uh oh, oh oh no. Uh, and so let's, let's, let's like break that down a little bit too. So, you know, you mentioned the idea, like if you're getting paid, you know, 4k, um, in Ethereum, and then when you kind of take that Ethereum to your bank account, it's now worth 2k, you're getting taxed on that 4k, um, of what you, you know, you pay, you got paid in. What, what would be like the best practice in that then is if you are, if you are taking payment, 
um, kind of at that uh, at that time, is it best then to take it into into fiat and bank account right away? Is it best to just kind of keep that in mind as the market kind of uh, fluctuates? What would be like kind of the best practices there to operate? Because I, I will say our listeners are definitely um, a lot are collectors, but you know I have a, a Crater Coin here, which is what powers the uh, the podcast, so ADHD Coin and. Uh, many people are, you know, making profits off of the ADHD coin, or uh, are even getting payments in that form as well. So I'm just curious from a standpoint of like that scenario you used with getting paid the the 4K and then you know it going down. What would be the kind of the best practices for us to think about in those scenarios? So you know, I think number one is you know as an investor or as a business owner being aware of it because that really empowers you to decide you know how how much risk do you want to take on, right? Because Really, you know, the, the conservative approach, what I recommend to most of my clients is, you know, when you have an event where you, you take profit into a cryptocurrency or maybe, you know, you have an NFT launch and you receive cryptocurrency as a payment, putting a portion aside for taxes. And, you know, we work with people on looking at, all right, like what, what exactly took place and what type of profit and losses do you have for the year that exactly estimate what those taxes are for you. Um, so really putting aside a portion into a stable coin or into fiat is, is, is the best approach. And the most accurate way to do that is with a tax projection. Um, you also can sort of just, you know, try to ballpark what your, what you think your tax rate is and just put that aside until you sit down with a CPA and actually calculate what your taxes are um, as sort of like a, you know, not, not as a formal approach. Um, but you really want to try to put, put, put aside the, the taxes that you're going to owe based off of your profits or your income as soon as possible, you know, because like the markets move every single day. So that's where it really comes down to like, what's your perception on the market and how risky do you want to be? Because, you know, you can sort of let it ride on a quarterly basis, but you know, we can lose 50% in the market tomorrow. And then you're going to still be left um, basically paying IRS double the cryptocurrency to cover your tax liability. So best practices is to put the money aside that you're going to owe in taxes basically as you earn it, because that's sort of freezing it in, in, in USD in terms of what you're going to get taxed in. Um, but you know, to, to the degree that you let that ride, you're basically like trading on margin with the IRS more or less. So, you know, I think one of the, the other things that, you know, when I, when I mentioned um, in our, in our discord, as well as just some, uh, you know, of the groups that I'm a part of when it comes to uh, our taxes and account- accounting, there, you know, there's, I think there's a wide range of like questions as far as making sure that we cover our bases, but then like some of those nuanced ways. And, and, and so like one of the things that came to me while you were explaining that, you know, let's say it's the end of the year, right? So it's December 31st and someone is offering, you know, to pay you uh, for services in, in ETH or um, directly in fiat. It, is that, is like your decision at that point based on all the things leading up to you in that year? Is it based on, where you know what the price is like what is there is there some things like that we have to think about from a standpoint of like just like in that moment what would be like the best how how would we kind of start to like like identify you know kind of the best way because i i think that's a big one for you know i i we all saw it at the end of this past year um a lot of people dumping nfts a lot of people uh doing some things and i think it happens a lot around tax season too it always happens around tax season and i I don't know if i have a biased perspective of that because i'm just so in the trenches on taxes but i always see these like tax these tax season sell-offs um i mean it's 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 a double-edged sword you know because 
if you're receiving Ethereum for or if you're taking profits into Ethereum at 2K and it goes up to 4K, you're going to owe. You, it, it would it would reduce the amount of Ethereum that you have to send for taxes. So, um, it's 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 largely based off of like what you think the market's going to do. But personally, I don't ever recommend like you know basically taking your tax liability on margin from the IRS and like trading it in the market. So I think the best approach is to always you know anytime you're taking profits, anytime that you're receiving payments in a cryptocurrency, you put aside your tax liability. Um, but the considerations I think on your end is if, you know, if I'm putting aside my tax liability into a stable coin now or into USD, um, what's going to happen with that cryptocurrency that I'm selling? Is it going to go up or is it going to go down? So, so I think the other part of that too, that's really interesting. You know, I, there are some tools that are out there and I'll, and I'll tap into the tools, um, uh, you know, as far as kind of like the tracking side of the house, I, I'm such a, a geek for these tools that, you know, I mean, kind of following on that side, you know, when it comes to NFTs more specifically than crypto, uh, you know, you mentioned 4K in ETH and it goes down to two. How how are we, how is it looked at when you're you know you're minting an NFT yeah. for you know you minted World of Women in last year at you know at 0.08 um, Ethereum and it's now worth you know that NFT that you hold is worth 8.8 um, Ethereum. How yeah. is that kind of identified in in this you know kind of tracking and and managing our our, our taxes and even our just our accounting as a whole? Yeah. So, um, so just to, to take that as an example, if say you take Ethereum, um, and you use that to purchase an NFT, whatever the fair market value is of, you know, that Ethereum that you traded into the NFT, that's going to establish, um, what your cost basis is in that asset. So, um, if you, you know, if you, take 0.25 Ethereum and you use that to mint an NFT when Ethereum Ethereum's at 4K, we're talking about a thousand dollar cost basis in that NFT. Um and then say that 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 NFT goes up to being worth like a full Ethereum just to make this example easy. That means you would have um you know an NFT that's worth four thousand dollars but a thousand dollar cost basis. So at that point what you have is an unrealized gain, which means at that point, there's no um, tax liability that's due until you take that NFT and you sell it for a cryptocurrency or you sell it um, for for another NFT or you sell it into USDC somehow. Um, at that point, you're going to have a taxable event and it's going to be based off of the difference of that cost basis that was established at the time of purchase um, minus um, the, the 4K that you sell it for. So you'd have a 3K gain only when you sell it. Um, and then that gain can be long-term or short-term, depending on if you hold it for 365 days or less. Um, I think it's also interesting to bring up here a little bit later about you know how NFTs are taxed, because I think that's a little bit of a gray area in the tax code right now that we can hit on. But at a high level, it would be when you sell that NFT is, is, is when you would get taxed and the cost basis would be established at the time of purchase. Yeah, it's funny when you said there's a little gray area in NFTs. I feel like all of this feels like a, a giant gray area for me. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I know for our listeners, you know, a, a lot can be overwhelming um, in the NFT and the crypto space. We talk a lot about like moving things, you know, uh, between wallets and the difference between an exchange. And then you have things like, um, you know, where like Pancake Swap and Sushi Swap, where you're able to exchange tokens. And then, of course, there's even, um, you know, the idea of, you know, the transparency across the board. You know, I'm curious before we go like into that more of that NFT side, 
when you when you look at it like you know you were you were in this space first right and like now you're you're focused on uh this area you know as a cpa you know the decentralized aspect of it right the you know yeah. the you know, there's a lot of stigma from the outside being like, you know, it's a great place for people to wash their money or do illegal activity or whatever they are online. And yet on, in the same token, we're explaining how, how important the transparency is and the idea that, you know, everything is trackable on the ledger and there's um, a chain of custody when we're moving assets. Yeah. Yeah. How, do, how do you kind of look at that? Like if someone's coming to you and saying like, kind of like the confusion of, of like that, this web three assets and everything, how do you kind of approach like all of this from a standpoint of like uh, accountability, but also, you know, regulation in a way? Yeah. You know, obviously I hear all the conversations about like, it being easy to you know basically commit tax fraud due to the decentralized nature of cryptocurrency but i think you brought up the most important point is that all of these transactions are taking place on a public ledger i can get a client's wallet address and go look up every single transaction that they've done that's associated with that wallet address basically across any blockchain so um and like you said the chain of custody um at a certain point you know almost all of us have been connected to a centralized exchange and with enough digging you know you can usually tie an identity to 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 these wallet addresses um i do understand that you know there's there's mixing services and other things like that 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 that, you know can create some obfuscation but um most of the time you're going to be able to tie an identity to, to to someone's blockchain address um so that's number one is I don't even think it's really, you know, practical to really try to go down that road of um, not paying your taxes. And um, it's just, you know, really not a good idea. So I'm sure there's people that are sort of out there doing that, just like there's people that, um, you know, don't report their tips for their taxes and don't report like, you know, cash they receive through their business. But it's not a good practice. And um there's a lot of ways that, you know, it can, it, it, it can be identified that those transactions are tied to you. And then you can have some serious problems, um, both, you know, financially and even criminally at that point. So, um, that's, that, that's sort of my two cents. Most of the time, um, you know, I don't ever really see, see people c- coming to me at my CPA firm that are just like, you know, how do I, how do I not pay taxes by not, not, not reporting my trades? Usually it's people that are, concerned about um you know the the gray area in the tax code around a lot of the rules and they're just really trying to understand understand it the best possible and pay the taxes that they're legally required to pay because once you really start um you know building up your wealth and accruing assets your main focus is on protecting those assets and the way to really protect those assets isn't to um you know start having the IRS come after you for those assets you're better off just paying the taxes that you that you legally owe and knowing that what you have after that you're you're actually are going to have rights to and you're not going to lose it down the line so um you know there's definitely the potential for tax fraud with cryptocurrency just like i think any other asset including cash but usually once you accrue any level of assets that are sort of worthwhile it's not it's not a practical approach to take well, and I'll tell you, I know all of my listeners are are on the the latter side of uh, of the of the fence, uh, and 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 I'll you know I'll put this 
you know, I played, uh, you know, semi-professional poker for a good while, but I, uh, right after I left, uh, my job at, in cybersecurity for the department of defense. And so I had the highest civilian clearance that you could get here in the U S government. Uh, and then I was playing, uh, poker for a living and it was uh, paying my bills and I was doing online poker as well. I had a sponsor and I always thought it was so interesting because from the outside in, there was like this assumption of, of the poker players, uh, you know, hiding their, their income and avoiding, uh, taxes. And, you know, I think the, the sad part of that was it was just the same, you know, 1% of the group, uh, just like a majority of other places that are, were trying to do it. And it really wasn't, uh, the mass majority, but there is, there was confusion on, you know, mm-hmm. how do we track it? How do we even, you know, if we're going to get audited, do we need to have one person at the poker table that knows our name, that knows how long we sat at the table? And I, and I remember, you know, feeling this like overwhelm. And I feel like that drips a little bit here um, into this space as well. Cause I think you're right. There's a lot of it comes down to, I want to, I want to cover my basis, but I don't want to overpay but I also want to make sure that I have I'm planning ahead um, for what's you know what, what's to come. And and you mentioned a little bit about the the gray area with uh, NFTs. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the things that maybe we that will decisions that will probably be made over the over 2022 that will probably impact that? Yeah, I think you know the most interesting thing with NFTs is that really right now there's no existing tax guidance when it comes to NFTs. Um, obviously we have some very basic tax guidance that's basically been out since 2014 related to cryptocurrencies. And, um, you know, there's obviously tax guidance for a lot of other asset classes, including like arts and collectibles and things like that. But there hasn't been any specific um, IRS guidance when it relates to cryptocurrency or when it relates to NFTs, excuse me. So, um, you know, if you start digging into how NFTs should be taxed, you're going to start to see um, varying responses that you would get when you're speaking to different tax professionals and different CPAs. Um, some are out there taking the position that um, NFT should be treated like, like a Picasso painting or like, you know, just like normal art and um, should be taxed and treated in terms of like the tax code that applies to arts and collectibles. Um, others are taking the position that NFT should basically be treated like property, which is how other cryptocurrencies are treated. And this has different tax implications. So if it's treated as art, it's basically what's going to happen is it's going to get taxed at a higher rate when you sell it. Um, you know, 28% compared to 20%. If it's treated as property, it's going to get treated as if you're selling any other, um, cryptocurrency, usually at like a 20% long-term capital gains rate. So that's the biggest sort of debate right now is should these be treated, should NMTs be treated as collectibles or should they be treated um, as property? So, you know, the people that are looking at this to be, you know, treated like art or collectibles are basically, I think, looking at some of these earlier NFT collections, which basically are, you know, are art, art, or at least for right now. And they're just sort of applying those tax code sections to it. Um, But, you know, I think NFTs are sort of in, in, in an earlier stage and there's definitely NFTs that are going to, you know, be for art. There's NFTs that are going to have, um, you know, functional avatars in the metaverse. There's going to be the financialization of NFTs where some of these NFTs are giving you yields. Um, and it's going to continue to go on from there. There's a lot of different applications that NFTs are going to be able to fulfill. And, um, you know, you can probably explain that side of it better than I can. 
So I don't strictly look at NFTs as a piece of art. So that's that's the number one reason that I would argue against um, that treatment of having it be taxed as a collectible, number one. Number two is um, those tax code sections only relate currently to tangible assets. So, you know, right now, NFTs obviously are intangible. We can't physically hold them. So they don't neatly fit under this category of collectibles and being taxed like art. Number one, because they're 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 intangibles are not tangible number two because um i think nfts are going to evolve into be more than just art pieces at least some of them are so you know i don't i don't think it's um really reasonable or highly likely that the irs is going to just go and take a blanket approach to taxing nfts as collectibles but you know that argument is out there and there's a lot of Again, like tax professionals and CPAs, that'll take that position. Um, my perspective is more that it's probably going to get taxed as property, much like cryptocurrencies were taxed as property, due to the fact, number one, again, that they're intangibles, they're not tangible. And, um, you know, there may be the art components to it, but there's a lot of other components to it, like I already delineated. And um, sort of, you know, looking back at why cryptocurrency was taxed as property, they based that off of a lot of ways they were taxing. Um, these a lot of like basically like in-game currencies that existed before cryptocurrency that didn't necessarily have value outside of like video games and stuff like that they taxed that as property and that's what led them to taxing cryptocurrency as property so i think they're probably going to take a similar approach to that um so that's sort of the gray area now you know what are the implications of that if you go and you file your tax return as nfts being taxed as collectibles and um you know, they're and you're, you're going to be paying a higher tax liability then. Um, and then what can happen is it may take three, four, five, six years for the IRS to give us give us clear guidance on what NFTs are taxed as. And at that point, if they come out and they they tax them as property, which I do think is more likely, um, you're you can only go back and amend your tax return for three years. So, you know, if you're, you're already on that clock. Like if you're going to claim 2021 as collectibles, the IRS needs to give us guidance within three years for you to be able to go back and amend your turn return to pay a lower tax liability. And then after that point, you're basically just, just sort of stuck claiming it that way. Um, so, you know, that's sort of where the gray area is. Everyone needs to speak with, you know, they're a tax professional that they're working with to sort of assess what position they want to take. But that's sort of like the two camps right now. Ooh, man, I tell you, what, I, I'm I appreciate all this information, and I love that you can, you know. I think this is the beauty. I think, for, you know, and, and and I believe you're you're younger than I am. We don't have to dox your age, uh, but I am a, a pager wearing millennial. So I was born in '81. I'm 40 years old, and I, I I often, you know, I think it's one of those things. As you get older, like when your doctor is all of a sudden your age or younger than you, there's like this like aha moment. Um, and then I think it comes in the same way as far as, uh, you know, hiring a CPA or accountant or, or those that I'm working with, you know, I love the, you know, how dialed in you are uh, to this space. And I appreciate that, um, that you can not only you know, understand some of the nuances, but also understand um, the different caveats. And, and one of them that I hear a lot, and I'm very curious on this, is airdrops. And for those that are listening to this live on the Twitter spaces, you're about to get some alpha 
Um, and those that are listening to it on the recording, you're probably still going to get some alpha because it's probably still going to be around that time. But um, I was just made aware of this morning an airdrop that'll be happening today. So this is today, uh, January 13th. And of course, not financial advice, but uh, fees.wtf. Uh, fees.wtf is will actually be dropping a uh, an airdrop later on today uh, based on the amount of gas that you've paid, uh, which I think is a very funny way of doing this airdrop. Uh, it says it says it'll, it goes down in nine hours from now. So that's why it's see what that is i gotta do math which math early in the morning is never a good thing for me <laughs> but so we're, we're looking at you know mid you know late uh you know early evening i guess here on the east coast um and so i'm i'm curious patrick for airdrops i've heard this a lot where you know uh, and for those that aren't you know aware of what the airdrop side of the house is you know it's been a trend and it's gonna be a, a trend that's gonna continue very much so in the uh, in this Web3 space, and I would say like the biggest one that that kind of caught, I guess, the, the most uh, attention from a, for a lot of people in um, NFTs was actually when um, we saw that, you know, the the token uh, gas, uh, GAS, uh, was dropped uh, for all of those that, you know, based on certain habits or certain things that you're doing, right? So based on, you know, how you're using Coinbase or how you're using OpenSea and and the one that's dropping today is is based on how much gas you've paid. And I I just hit the little calculator on their website, and it says uh, I've spent 4.78 ETH on, on gas, and then I had 22 transactions that failed that cost me another 0.26 uh, Ethereum, which means I get to claim 2,191 WTF tokens. And the question I have for that is: there are on one side of the camp, it's like, hey, it's free money. On the other side of the camp, and and just to be clear, you know, nothing is free in the in the world. I think we all have to recognize mm-hmm. that. But on the other side of the camp, it's like I will never claim that because of the tax implications. How do you how do you look at that from airdrops that we're we're ultimately getting you know tokens or coins based on our actions on the blockchain, but we're not paying for that. You know, we're not adding any liquidity to the fund. We're not you know paying for th- anything out of the gap. How should we approach you know airdrops when it comes to taxes and accounting? Yeah. Um, so airdrops are absolutely taxable events. Once you basically take control of the funds and are able to, to sell them if, if, if you wish to. So um, I think, you know, you're right. Like if you go and you click claim on there, that's going to create a taxable event for you. Um, there's also sort of two camps on how that should be reported. And when you realize that taxable event. Um, so, you know, these are all all these topics that we're discussing, obviously you can't, you know, take what I say here on this call and go file your tax return based off of it. You always need to consult a tax professional to discuss your specific fact pattern. Um, But usually our position when it comes to airdrops is that much like, much like any other part of cryptocurrency is going to be treated as income based off of the date that you receive it based off of the fair market value of that token on that date. And that also would set your holding period in that token as well. So if you get an airdrop today on, you know, January 13th, 2022, and you claim that airdrop and it's worth a thousand dollars, you're, you're looking at having a thousand dollars in income. Um, there is another camp where, um, you know, you may speak with some tax professionals or you may speak with some CPAs that are in this space that would argue that when you claim the airdrop, it would start your holding period, but you would have a zero cost basis in it. And, um, you know, you, you would just, when, whenever you sold it, that's basically when you would realize the tax because it would be like the full proceeds with zero cost basis. 
Um, I don't think that's a reasonable position um, because basically anytime you get constructive receipt of any type of fund or asset, it's going to be a taxable event. So I don't see a reason why that shouldn't be applied to cryptocurrency. So the long and short would be that, you know, if you go and claim that airdrop today, based off of the fair market value of that air, airdrop, you're going to have a taxable event. And, it, you know, you, you could with these airdrops, you can get in a position where when you go and claim the airdrop, um, based off of when you claim it, it's a, you know, it's a thousand dollars in income. And then if you, you know, if you're stuck holding a bag and it, it drops 50, 80 percent. You know, you may only be able to sell it for half of that, but you'll still owe the, owe the full tax on that income. All right. Well, so that, and so, so hearing that, you know, the the camp that is all that has been warning me, I think they're 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 checking their box a little bit and saying, Fanzo, um, check one for us, because um, I think there is something to be said on this. You know, like the airdrops. You know, in many cases, we say do your own damn research uh, on this show because uh, I write a book called Press the Damn Button. And so we're going to say, you know, get, get your own damn accountant would be the uh, the caveat here um, as well, especially someone that, you know, um, is knowledgeable like yourself, Patrick. I think there's some beauty there. Um, I have a couple questions on like, you know, the first one I'll go, you know, we talked airdrops. What about this DAO movement, right? Uh, I'm I'm currently a part of a couple uh, different DAO uh, collectives that are, are kind of pulling together some uh, really need you know uh, projects, and we're we're bringing teams together. And of course, um, we understand that you know with the goals and the things that we're launching, there will be you know big money in play, and and the tax implications there. How how are you know things like you mentioned NFTs really haven't been uh, kind of figured out in the in the tax space? I'm guessing DAOs are still in that probably same in a, in a gray area of kind of trying to figure out you know are they operating like an LLC? Are they how 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 have the DAOs kind of be, been addressed so far, or what do you see kind of coming down the pipe for the the kind of the DAO movement? DAOs are, um, again, like like in a gray area, like you stated. I personally have not worked with as many DAOs as I have NFT investors and cryptocurrency investors, so you know I'm not necessarily as experienced on that front. Although I do expect to, you know, we're we have clients in that space, and we're continuing to take more it's just sort of earlier days for DAOs. um but the biggest the biggest issue with DAOs is the fact that there's for many of them there's no current entity structure and you know they're not recognized by the state as as a, as a partnership or anything else so really it's about deciding how are they going to be taxed i think you know the most practical way to have them be taxed is to look at them as as a partnership tax structure but they, if 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 you're going to do that, you're going to need to have them, you know, registered with um, the Secretary of State and you know have have a tax ID. So if they don't have that, it becomes um, a pretty a pretty big gray area, and um, you know there's 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 going to have to be some pretty hard decisions made about you know how this is going to be reported. But it honestly hasn't been something um, that line we haven't really had to cross yet. So you'll be getting a DM for me after the show on maybe, you know, maybe I have the, I have the, the example or actually two examples that I'd love to bring you in on that uh, I'm a part of Dallas that maybe we can, uh, we can circle back from this, you know, a couple of months from now on the podcast and, uh, and, and talk about what we've learned um, in that scenario as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, you know, I mentioned tools um, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of coin tracker 
dot io uh, and honestly at first not really just for the not for the tax side i know it is um one that it talks about like it gives you the accounting uh and the taxability mm-hmm. side yep. um you know and, and i'll just put it out there i have no affiliation with uh coin tracker i will put in the link in the show notes here of the podcast um an affiliate link i believe everybody you you earn ten dollars and i earn ten dollars if you use the link uh you know to each of us growing together but you know their their tagline is connecting your cryptocurrency wallets and exchanges get your crypto and bitcoin taxes done in minutes now i will say i love the way that that it allows me to pull in multiple wallets um into one dashboard um it also allows me to uh it has an nft um center that if you're paying for the um the the paid version of the tool it'll actually bring in kind of the the floor prices and and the things that are going on um, as far as like kind of managing um, your wallets. Uh, I think they've actually, since I signed up for them originally when they first launched, I think the, uh, the very first week and they've kind of added some really neat um, aspects where, you know, I'm getting a daily email, which will, which tracks like my profit loss margin. Um, It also kind of gives me like kind of estimates on on taxes. And, and I, and I think, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more tools like this since, you know, we are able to do uh, a lot more uh, transparent management on the ledger. Are there anything that we should be thinking about when it comes to these tools? Because uh, I'm not going to promote one tool or the other. I mean, they're not paying to be promoted, and I haven't compared um, against other tools. So I'm never one that likes to promote one tool until I've compared what the competition has looked like. But um, you know, from your standpoint of like, how do we make? So this is probably the better way of a- asking this question: How do we make our CPAs' lives easier? When it comes to this, you know, I, many of us are using Excel spreadsheets, um, but at the same time, many people aren't right. There's, you know, we're still trying to, to manage the fact that people are giving away their seed phrases um, and, <laughs> and we don't want that to happen. Uh, and for a lot of people, it does kind of feel like funny money or online transactions. So when it comes yeah. to like the tools and tracking and accountability, like, how can we make, you know, the CPA's lives easier, which ultimately will make our lives easier? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, when it comes to the tools, there's at least dozens of them out there. Um, I can't say I've used every one, but I've I've used at least a dozen of them. So, you know, I've used many, many different tax tools, and I think they all sort of have their pros and cons. Um, you know, the biggest thing that that I would be looking for when sort of assessing tax tools is based off of your transaction history. You know, what what blockchains do they su- support? particularly with you know a lot of decentralized transactions depending on um you know what blockchain you're using they may or may not have support for instance for like say like the avalanche blockchain solana or phantom things like that so you know that's sort of one of the bigger considerations i think if you're assessing a a platform like that you know see see if you're going to be able to consolidate all of your transactions in that platform um, even when you're, when, when, when you're doing that and you're using API imports or something like that, to the degree that you can get the source transactions from somewhere outside of the tax software, I recommend doing that just, just in case that when they're importing your data, if it's not perfectly accurate, it's good to sort of have source reporting that, um, we can compare things to during the reconciliation process, number one. And number two, you know, it's, it's another layer of documentation in the event that you do get audited. Um, so, you know, that's, that, that's sort of the first consideration. Usually like, you know, if we're working with a client and we're starting to onboard a client, our starting point would be, um, to get basically every wallet address that they've utilized for any decentralized transactions. Um, and then with any centralized exchanges, 
usually will ask for those um, transaction downloads from those exchanges via a CSV import. Um, and that's usually our starting point for us is getting that getting that source information. I don't think anyone needs to be manually tracking their trades in Excel. Um, there's always going to be a way that we can go and get those transactions from the blockchain. Obviously, you know, the, 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 the newer the blockchain is that you're using, the less support that may be available for it. Um, but I haven't really seen transactions from any of my clients that, um, you know, we haven't been able to find some type of um, DeFi Explorer or some type of tax software where we're able to consolidate those transactions in a CSV file. Um, you know, you, you really want to avoid trying to manually track your transactions because you're just opening yourself up to human error, you know, transposition errors, getting getting dates wrong, getting getting asset pairs mixed up, things like that. So you want to really make sure you're getting a good source of data. Um, I you, like, you know, you want to get a good source of data in the context that you can get it, like depending on if you're using decentralized exchanges or centralized. So um, that's sort of my two cents is, you know, we would, we, we would really just start with getting those, getting those CSV files. Um, you know, if you're using like um, Ethereum, for instance, usually Zerion.io is one of the easiest places to go and get all of your decentralized transactions um, associated with any wallet address. They'll, they'll all be there. Um, and, you know, there's other applications like that that will usually leverage for like other types of blockchains. I, I love that. And I, and I, and this context is great. And I, and I really appreciate, you know, cause I, I will say like, you know, that idea of like manually tracking, it can get overwhelming. And, you know, for anyone that gets a little bit stressed by this conversation, you know, like I mentioned the poker days, like we were, like I had a notebook having to manage that because uh, all of that was not managed on the blockchain, right? I was, I was taking cash up to a window and buying chips and then sitting at a table for 18 hours. And maybe I switched three tables and, you know, there's so much more of this like untrackable, uh, very gray area. For me, there's part of like a beautiful thing of all of this being on the blockchain. Um, and I will say, you know, I, I am, uh, I am a fan of the Zerion.io and I'll, um, I will include a link to that one as well. I, I, I do have my uh, stuff there connected. And, you know, for those that, you know, get frustrated with losses here on NFTs, um, I will say like getting a Coinbase email that just reminds me that like, hey, this is some of your you know tax harvesting savings that you have now because you're really crappy at picking NFTs. <laughs> um, it, it, it makes you feel a little bit better about, you know, you know, getting a, an NFT that, it, that isn't as great. Um, you know, I'd say you know, as we kind of pull this, you know, this conversation uh, together. And I, you know, I love, I also love, you know, in all, you know, transparency, you reached out to me about, you know, uh, connecting here and I had heard your name, uh, through multiple, um, other sources and, and groups of discord that we're in that, um, that you've either worked with, you know, parts of their team or people that are out there. And, and I will say you have a, you have a, uh, a reputation and it's a good one that is kind of passed around. And I want to, you know, give you that kudos, um, in this space, I think the fact that you're you know willing to get on here and share you know your thoughts without you know giving you know everyone here has to do their own damn research and and hire their own damn uh, accountant. But you know there also is that idea that like people have this you know false illusion of you know if I'm not using an ENS domain or I'm not um, you know it's not as trackable. And uh, I was kind of uh, tested last night. A friend of mine uh, challenged me that said I couldn't find um, let's just say his or her. Uh, you know, 
wallet address um, because they've never shared it out publicly and they've never um, like tweeted out a link, uh, uh, like an OpenSea link. Uh, and it took me about eight minutes and I was able to find their wallet uh, address. Uh, yeah, and, and you're not using any technology to do that. Like the IRS years correct. ago partnered with um, Chain Analysis and you know they, they're partnered with um, one of the major tax software companies as well. So you know, them just leveraging, you know, chain analysis to do sort of that, you know, forensic side of things to connect the identity to a wallet and then using one of the, um, you know, tax software companies that they partnered with. I think they partnered with TaxBit to basically, you know, calculate the trades from that wallet address. Um, you know, there's that, that, that's, that's the approach that they're going to take. And like you said, you know, if you can do it in a matter of 10 minutes, um, this is, you know, big money on the line for the IRS, millions, if not billions of dollars. So they've been putting together task force and, you know, taking different measures to start to identify people that aren't claiming their taxes since, I mean, at least 2017, if, 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 if not earlier. And, you know, we've seen the partnerships with chain analysis. We've seen the partnerships with TaxBit. We've seen um, the J5 agreement where like the United States, Australia, the UK, and a couple other countries have made agreements to share information. So, you know, that helps when, you know, the U.S. has done John Doe audits on some of the U.S.-based exchanges, and we're probably going to see that in other countries. So there's a lot of the, right now, the IRS is basically, they're getting in this position where they're, they're putting out, you know, to check the box on the front of the 1040 to make people under perjury say whether or not they they've transacted in crypto or nfts they've partnered with other countries to get information from other countries about people that maybe have traded on centralized exchanges that aren't domesticated in the u.s um they've partnered with chain analysis and tax bit to be able to find the wallet addresses and calculate the taxes that are due for these people so you know, these are just the preliminary stages. We haven't really seen any enforcement from the IRS yet, but I, you know, they've been positioning all these years to where, you know, we're going to see enforcement and it's probably going to be pretty, pretty drastic and, and, and catch some pretty big headlines whenever, whenever it does start to happen. Yeah. I think it's such an important aspect. And I, I will say, you know, anyone that, you know, tunes in this podcast, anyone that knows me, you know, I'm a big believer in this power that the blockchain is enabling us to create and reimagine, you know, this, this digital future that, you know, through decentralization, through transparency, through, you know, shifting the power away from the big entities and giving the power back to the creator will really, you know, change lives in, in so many different fashions. And and I just have to say, you know, like my advice to everyone is like, you know, if we have to think bigger than ourselves in a lot of these scenarios and think about the side where, you know, giving more ammo uh, to the haters, the naysayers, those that are trying to, uh, you know, regulate or stop or prevent um, this space. And in many cases, they're doing so just because they don't want to change or because they have their hands in the pockets of the way that we've done things for the last 30 years and, and they don't want to lose that, that gain. And so I think we all have to do our own part on making sure that we are, you know, staying above board and consulting, you know, the right, you know, people to bring in to make sure that we're not adding, giving them any fire or ammo to, you know, try to break down this space or, you know, the things that we're doing. So, you know, Patrick, I love having you on. I would definitely love to have you back on uh, and kind of tap you into a couple of projects that um, I'm involved in. You know, I'll give you, you know, what, is there any like final like words, tips, things to, to think about as we kind of wrap this up for our audience? 
Um, yeah, you know, I guess I would leave everyone maybe with one, one more thought. And, you know, in addition to just sort of understanding the taxability of all these different transactions and making sure that we're accounting for them accurately, there is sort of, you know, one more consideration and another step. And maybe this is something we would hit on in the future. And that would be tax planning, you know, looking at sort of where you're currently at and what we can do in the future proactively to help minimize your taxes. And, you know, that looks different for investors. Sometimes, you know, we can be proactive before there's big capital gains events to look at strategies to reduce or defer the capital gains taxes. Or if you're sort of on the other side of things as an artist, um, you know, there's, if, if you're an artist and you did an NFT drop and you haven't really, um, you know, worked with a CPA on tax planning, chances are you're probably going to overpay in taxes by, like anywhere like from 30k to 100k in taxes depending on like you know the, the size of your um the size of your nft drop and things like that so you know it's important to get the accounting right and all the tax considerations right and then once you have that all in order and you sort of have the lay of the land then you can sort of look at how can we strategic strategically plan in the future to legally reduce your taxes as well well, I, I I think that is such an important aspect. And I will say, you know, for those that are over on our Discord, um, you know, we do, we have a, a section here on the Discord where I, I'm open to, you know, people not only, you know, providing questions that they would love um, asked on uh, the podcast, but things for us to note. And so um, if there are tax questions and accounting questions for those that are listening um, over the next many months, of course, leading up to tax season, of course, um, make sure you drop them in our Discord under that questions f- uh, file. And I, I will I kind of bring them over into another document. And then so if when we have Patrick back on, we can bring those uh, those questions to light. But uh, yeah, Patrick, thanks so much for, for jumping on. I will include Patrick's uh, social uh, handles and things here um, in the show notes of the podcast as well. Um, you know, for everyone listening, you know, I, I not only am I a big believer in this space, but I'm a big believer in us setting the culture and helping to, you know, kind of define together what is, you know, kind of the benchmarks. And so, you know, I think working with, you know, accountants and uh, those that are really knowledgeable in this space and also helping, um, you know, to define ways that things are managed, right? You know, I I have a very complex scenario in the sense that I have a I have a creator coin that I was given, uh, you know, I was awarded coins by signing up for it. It's now uh, what is paying my, you know, my bills uh, on a regular basis uh, in many cases. And I'm also, you know, a, a keynote speaker. We have influencer marketing side. I am launching my, I have my own NFTs. We've, uh, we have our own, you know, the cryptocurrency exchange side here. We have NFTs for the podcast. Um, so I will just say like, you know, I, I do my best to be as transparent, as open um, as I can. And I, and I just challenge us all to kind of help, um, you know, help your your local CPA, help your the ones that you're working with, kind of understand some of these nuances. And 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 Patrick, I'm glad you even put out there. Like, let's make sure that we're we're saving each other money, we're lifting each other up, but we're also kind of holding each other accountable. So, uh, Patrick, thanks so much for joining the the podcast. Uh, and uh, for those that are listening, you know, I will I will see you tomorrow. Um, as I like to say, make it a great day, my friends, and uh, we will talk tomorrow. Cheers. Thanks.